talking about identity, I'm just going to swing back around that again, that when our identity is firmly rooted and grounded, as it says in Ephesians 3, in God's love, then we have the capacity to open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. First of all, we're more secure, but then we also have a capacity to be more available to the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit's doing through us. Because if you're not, and you're thinking about what do people think of me, if you think about um, am I performing right, am I doing enough things in this world in terms of my uh, production, and in the U.S., production reigns king. It's the culture we live in. It's what you do. You're valued for what you do, not who you are. In the kingdom of God, while we do stuff, you're valued for just being part of the kingdom. So... Mostly, we're good. Church-going folks need to develop themselves as a follower of Christ is on the being part because the church communicates the doing part pretty well. And it's not just, you know, I mean, we're here in a church, this church, Gateway Church, but that's pretty true everywhere. So, and it's because of the culture we're in. It's what you produce in terms of how you're valued. It's how you, um, what you can offer others how the world certainly values you, what can you do for me um, with Christ, securing his love, your love before you do anything. In fact, the way I was taught is uh, what you do with you is just your way of saying thank you. Hmm. Love is motivated, service is motivated out of gratitude, right? I grew up on something called the Heidelberg Catechism, a 15th century document <clears throat> that taught us the doctrines of the church, and it was sin, salvation, service, were the three big sections, or guilt, grace, gratitude. And all the service stuff was in the gratitude section. You serve out of gratitude. What is your only hope in life and death? That I belong body and soul, life and death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who has done everything from necessary for my salvation, I just paraphrased. But that's the first question they answered in the Heidelberg Catechism. I was just triggering to see. I was just seeing if you still had If it's still in, it's yeah. in. If you pushed a button. Yeah, but you did. I'm a Dutch reform guy. So anyway, <clears throat> yeah. It, so uh, when I was talking earlier that as a pastor, 15 years into ministry, I'm still, I'm still preaching grace, still preaching uh, the love of God, but not really experiencing it. So, um, and I was getting all kinds of praise from church people for what I was doing. Meanwhile, I'm bottoming out. Bottoming out. Uh, on my way to crisis and achieving crisis. So, <clears throat> but we're talking about the Holy Spirit today. So again, um, um, as I see some folks in the parking lot, I'll stall a little bit longer here. Um, here comes Pete. That's the big takeaway. And what's interesting is you listen about how Tim's part at REACH in Columbus and my part intersect, even though we'd never met for one another. <clears throat> what's opening up the, the people to more of God and to more teaching is this idea like, oh, I'm just loved by God for who I am before I do anything. And that just gives us capacity to um, exercise more faith. John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, of which I'm a part of, says risk or faith is spelled or um, R-I-S-K, risk, stretch, um, and you engage more. And 
we ultimately want to get to that part of what the Holy Spirit's asking us to do and how he, he's gifting us to do that. Okay, I talked about transformation um, in the self, and if we're following notes, which I'm doing loosely, I'm now moving on to the place that he initiates the kingdom of God through us. So um, there's simple, a couple of simple points in those notes for you, and that is that Jesus came to release the kingdom of God. And, for instance, in Mark 1, 14 through 15, it says, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. So, in my own words, and since I'm a vineyard pastor, we talk about the already not yet about the kingdom of God, right? It's here and yet not fully here. People still get sick. People still die. People still do bad things. Um, we're not fully put together ourselves. We're still being transformed. And, um, and yet, at the same time, when we pray, people uh, sometimes get healed. Um, when we pray, people um, who are lost causes in our book come to Christ. Um, I've got a great story of my younger brother, <clears throat> who's a big man. He's a, he's a dude. I'm a big dude. And um, he's a chef, so he carries knives. And uh, big guy with knives. And uh, so uh, the first, there were five of us, so the first four were all two years apart. So we were kind of a posse. And we grew up together. And Luke um, was a surprise. So he was 13 years behind the, the posse. So he was like a family of his own. I mean, he had mom and dad. And by the way, just for the record, my mom did favor the youngest more than the rest of us. <laughs> and he got, and he said that to me the other day. I was visiting him and he says, yeah, mom always looked after and make sure I got my share first. I'm going like, that's true. Did you know that? He goes, I totally knew it and worked it. <laughs> anyway, but he walked away from Christ. Uh, yeah, he was raised in the church and wanted nothing to do with it by the t uh, time he was 13. A lot of partying, a lot of drugs, a lot of rebellious stuff. He was, he was poaching deer. I lived in the country. Poaching deer off of other people's properties, sleeping in their barns, uh, partying, just out there. <clears throat> Eventually he married. <clears throat> and uh, he married a woman 13 years older than he was, not a believer, never in church, and through two marriages already. And so um, he met her um, at a church camp. No, music camp, because he wanted nothing to do with church. Music camp kitchen, because he was a chef. And um, they got married. And um, uh, actually, Rhonda, my sister-in-law, they're married, still married today, um, motivated him because she really had a very little to work with in life, and yet she um, worked full-time, was raising two daughters, and went to school and became a school teacher. So, you know, pretty ambitious agenda. And she did become a school teacher, and <clears throat> so one day she shows up. She shows up at my parents' back door. <clears throat> I go, on Sunday morning, they go, hi, Rhonda. And she goes, can I go to church with you? Like, no clue that she was going to do that. And they go, my dad's pretty chill. Uh, civil engineer and, you know, uh, he's kind of a straightforward guy. Like, make sure it's level. You know, make sure the sewer's six feet deep, that kind of stuff. And um, he goes, sure. So they go to church. And this is a little, little town. 
that I grew up in, it's a Dutch Reformed church, and you would not say that this church was cutting edge. And, um, and the pastor was, at that point, 68 years old, so a couple of years from just like, okay, I'm done. Um, <clears throat> and she goes and she listens, and come, after the service, she says, my dad says, so any questions? And she, he says, she says, what did he mean by this? And my dad goes, well, he meant this. That's what he was saying and, you know, points to this passage and says, this is what he meant. And then he goes, you want to have lunch? And so they go, yeah. Next week, Sunday morning, there's Rhonda outside the door. Same pattern. What did he mean when he said this? He meant this. You want to have lunch. And this goes on for weeks. And Rhonda comes to Christ. You go like, okay, let me get this straight. First Reformed Church in Fremont, Michigan wouldn't be what I would call the evangelistic edge of the kingdom. And yet, and this pastor is like right on the cusp of retiring. Not that I'm knocking old guys, because I'm pretty much there myself. But you go like, I just don't have a high expectation here. And the simple preaching of the word of God, and people patiently walking alongside of her, she comes to Christ. And she starts reading her Bible right at the kitchen table every morning. And now my brother's got a problem. <laughs> for 13 years, I'd pray for him, and I thought, well, God will use me because I'm a pastor. And for 13 years, I'd pray, I'd see nothing but a hard heart from him, and I'd give up. And the Holy Spirit would go like, why'd you quit? And I'd go, because nothing's happening. You're not doing your part. I mean, I, you know, I care for my brother, so I had pretty frank conversations with, my, with, my, with God. And the Spirit would say, I want you to start praying again. So I go, okay. And that's about the attitude. So I'd start praying for him again. Nothing. Nothing. In fact, worse. I'd, I'd, so I'd lose interest. I'd stop praying for him. And the Holy Spirit would show up. And you get the pattern. Back and forth, back and forth. And Luke is perfectly defended from everybody in the family. You're not going to get to my heart. You're not going to get to my heart. You're not gonna, I know what you're about. Um, you're my brother. I love you. But you're not going to take me down that road. And suddenly, the one person that he never anticipated ever coming to Christ is sitting right across the table, kitchen table, reading the Word of God every day. And he sees her opening up. And, um, and Ron never preaches. She just gets up every Sunday and goes to church with my folks. And one Sunday, Luke says, I'll go with you. And the old church that he had totally rejected and walked away from becomes a place through whom he's reintroduced to the kingdom of God. Now, why do I tell you that? Because Jesus releases the kingdom, and it's sometimes in real messy contexts, and the Spirit is at work at releasing the kingdom. And I was not the best one to partner with because I get discouraged, even as a pastor, and I'd pass, you know, get rid of it. Set it aside. Nothing's happening. I'm not going to continue to pray. And the Spirit would come back and reactivate, and reactivate, and reactivate. And then at the end, it was nothing. That was the job that I was called to do, pray. I'm sitting here with a Masters of Divinity. I'm well into ministry. I've helped countless other people come to Christ. I'm thinking, of, you know, it's probably going to be me. And uh, the one person none of us expected is the one who opens the door, is used to open his, the door. Because he could not, he could not figure out how she came to faith in Christ, except that the Spirit of God had moved on her. He knew his Bible. The head knowledge was there. It was totally there. And uh, he knew church. And uh, the whole family surrounded him was um, people of, of faith. 
Um, so uh, the Spirit is the one who releases the kingdom of God. Jesus came to release this kingdom. He delivers demons. He heals. He raises people from the dead. He calms nature. You know these stories. And he also uh, evangelizes people, brings them into the kingdom. And he is a word worker. You know this. He saves people with his words. He sets them free with his acts, as he had called us to do. And he's doing that today. He's doing that now. He's doing that through real people like you and I, ordinary people with everyday supernatural uh, capacities. And um, he's asking us now to do what he did. So, um, and I tell you that story because he was doing that in my own family with my brother who was a class one prodigal son, uh, the prodigal in the story. And he's doing it through us again. And we're told in the Great Commission, go and spread the good news, teach, the, teach them all that Jesus commanded. Um, you see that in every one of the Gospels. You see it at the beginning of Acts. It is very clear what we're called to do. Um, in fact, I'll say this about the, the Spirit. The Spirit's given at the front part of Acts for the purpose of mission. Did you hear that? We're on mission. And while we care for one another and help uh, each other grow in Christ, it's all about releasing the kingdom outside of the church walls and getting past the holy huddle. And so it's, it's right there in Scripture. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit so that you can preach good news in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You read Ezekiel 47. Is it 47? I think it's 47. It's 47. You get this picture from the prophets of a river flowing out of the altar of God in the temple and down the steps of the temple and out toward places that are parched where no living thing is growing. And as you read that, that story in Ezekiel 47, it says, as the river flows from the place of worship, it's moving out into mission to the places where it's dry, neglected, desert, wilderness. You get the picture, right? And as the river flows, it grows deeper and wider, and things begin to grow around it. But the deeper and wider thing is the strong image in Ezekiel 47 that goes like, as you get into the flow of the Spirit that begins in the place of worship and moves into mission, it gets, the water gets more challenging. Um, for those of us who like our feet on the ground, it gets deeper out there, and the current moves more swiftly. And for those of us who are in the church who are going out into the world as the kingdom is released, what that means is that if you like, you know, cross, uh, walking in the river uh, in ankle deep, you're going to be grounded all the time. I was talking with Linda over lunch. She goes like, you know, do you run because of your shoes? I go, well, actually, these shoes were part of a backpacking trip that I did in Zion where my wife and I hiked the Narrows. It was a very cool hike. Narrow canyon and a river running through it. So about 80% of the time you're in the water, walking in the water. Um, Zion National Park in, in Utah. Yes. It's called the, uh, the Narrows. It's a 16-mile hike. So uh, these shoes still are comfortable, but they began their life uh, in two days of water. But um, it's one thing to carry a backpack on your backpack, on your backpack, on your back, walking in water that's below your knees or ankle deep. But there are places on that hike where the things would narrow and the water would get deeper. 
and I would have to get out and throw my pack from me to you, Tim, and then uh, go into the place over my head to swim across to get the pack. And, or I would uh, um, get in and you'd bob, because of the current, the swiftness and the depth of the, of the river, you'd bob, kind of, you know, pop along over to the other side. That's the picture that Ezekiel 47 is talking about, that as you move out into mission and as the kingdoms are released, the spirit starts moving with more intensity and power because that's the mission. And the gifts plug into the mission. But it calls for us to exercise more capacity to trust that we're in good hands of the Holy Spirit when all of a sudden our feet get lifted off the, the ground and we drop down. You see what I'm saying? And even to the place where you go, like, I'm just living in the current now. I'm just flowing. I'm not walking. I'm not bobbing. I'm not touching down to those places that are secure. I'm simply in the flow of God's Spirit. And we can do that because what we learned this morning, that we're loved by God as who we are, and we're securing that love, and we can say, like, okay, this is stretching me. I'm floating here, and I'm not touching the bottom in the last 10 feet, last 10 yards, last 50 yards. I'm still okay because I'm in the flow of the God spirit, and God loves me. That goes all the way back to Ezekiel 47. It's a great image. Start in the temple, the place of worship, and you move out in the mission. That's what Jesus was doing. I'm just looking over at you guys because I like you best. <laughs> okay? That's right. Receive it. Receive it. And... The, we ought to expect that the intensity of being in mission in the flow of the Spirit is going to increase. Now we have a choice. You can stay in the place of worship, where it's secure, where it's known. And this is a place to be recharged, refreshed, to be loved, to grow, to be discipled. But the purpose is to get out. And when you get out, current picks up. When you get out, the intensity increases. And the picture that Ezekiel 47 says is the depth gets bigger, it gets wider, it gets swifter, but stuff begins to grow and life begins to teem in the river. Now, if you've been to Israel, or you haven't, but you know about the Dead Sea, there are places where nothing lives. There are places that are uh, incompatible with, like, fish being able to sustain fish. And so that's the image that's being written. Out there is a place where there's no life. Out there is people just existing or not, just giving up. Out there is where the kingdom needs to be released. Out there is where the gifts are meant to be employed, not only here to build us up, but to build us up for getting out there. But be aware that once you get out there and you start being more responsive to the Holy Spirit, <laughs> there are going to be places where you're bobbing along. Not walking along, but bobbing along. And you're going to go like, okay, I trust the Lord. I trust the Lord. And then there's going to be places where you're just going to have to kick my feet up and go with the current. I've done some whitewater rafting and kayaking back when I had more flexibility, which I never had much of. But now to get into a kayak, it's like, yeah, that just hurts. And so, um, but down in West Virginia, which isn't far from you guys and here, yeah, you got the gully. And gully, man, totally. I mean, you know, the upper and the lower. Postage too. Do you know that rock? Yes. Yeah, because I met that rock. They said postage due because it went. <laughs> um, 
But there, the, the, the experience there is that if you get washed out, which I have, and you're in the current, you get your feet up so you don't, get, you don't worry about trying to get your feet down and get you know, the current pull you down. So I only give you that example because I like thinking of those memories. Um, that's what happens. That's the image that Ezekiel's talking about, that this thing can really get going. Great adventure, yep, if we are willing to risk and trust the Lord. If you're convinced you're loved by the Spirit. If you, can, you realize that, you know, while you might have identified spiritual gifts, we'll talk about that in a little bit, that you're using on the regular, gift of hospitality, gift of service, gift of teaching, that in a moment God can go, Tim, Boom, here's the gift of healing. For this situation, I just chose to use you. Situationally, you just dropped into something, you go like, I've never done that before, Lord. And you're looking around, you're going, but there's nobody else. And clearly there's a need, and so you embrace it and go. Now your feet are off the ground. Are you with me? Now you're going like uncharted territory. So, with all that said, I'm moving, I'm uh, freelancing through my notes. I'm working off this idea that Jesus came to release the kingdom. We've got that going on. We're releasing the kingdom. And that, ultimately, that's what we're called to do. We know the commission of God, and that is what he is about in our lives. Now, let's talk about, is that good? Let me pause there a moment. Of course it's good, scripture, so you got a problem if you don't think it is good. And it's not with me. That's why I put scripture everywhere. Like, you got an argument, take it up with the Lord, not me. I didn't make this stuff up. And Tim regrets that he even brought me over, so. <laughs> Any thoughts about that? How do you feel about that picture from Ezekiel 47? It's absolutely the space. It's not only the place of security and identity, it also keeps us properly aligned to the Lord. That when we know the whole thing is energized by the love of God, and that comes from the Lord, um, we don't get too full of ourselves. You're living in a place of gratitude. You're continually reminded, this is incredible that I get to participate at all. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's what Paul talks about in Galatians 5. For freedom you've been set free, right? Um, okay. Um, anybody else have a comment about any of this before we get into start talking about gifts? I think I'm just going to turn and go into that gifts of the spirit, and then we're gonna we're gonna set time so you know where we're going. We're gonna set time aside for uh, praying for what you desire. I asked that question this morning, like, what do you want? And the more positive side, or you want to reframe that, where are you being drawn or invited by God's Spirit to move deeper into the water, the current? And if you stop and pause, and we've done that several times this morning, you're going to hear it. You're going to hear the invitation. You probably already have heard it and are aware of it. 
but it takes you saying yes to what God wants to do in you. you believe that? That he's working in you? Yeah, because he is. And he's totally working in you too. I saw that several times a day already. Several of you have demonstrated this morning in this sector, my favorite sector, um, God working and touching your lives. What's he asking you? What's he inviting you toward and into in a bigger way? You think about that. We'll come back to that. All right.